Thank you for downloading this sermon from Heritage Baptist Church. We are so glad that you did. We believe that biblically faithful, Christ-centered, God-glorifying local churches are the primary means that God has chosen to expand His kingdom. If you are part of such a church, we hope that this message will supplement your spiritual diet. If you aren't yet part of such a church, we would love for you to visit us. For more details, please check out our website www.heritagebaptist.co.za Well, good morning. So those of you who were hoping to see Pastor Lela, my apologies. Shame, he, he fell ill yesterday and uh, was hoping to make it this morning, but um, uh, obviously wasn't able to. So... Uh, had to go into the archives, uh, th- throwback Sunday. <laughs> so if you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. We're going to look at this, this beautiful psalm. See the, the heading there for the choir director, a mascal of the sons of Korah. So uh, we don't know what a mascal is. We're not entirely sure. Probably a, a tune. There are different names given. Uh, obviously, the original audience would have understood. But the sons of Korah, we know. So we've been going through Chronicles, and we saw how David had started to divide up the the Levites into different uh, groups doing different things, and uh, the sons of Korah are from the Kohathite family, from the Levites, and they were tasked with, with uh, preparing songs and writing songs, so many of the songs are written by the sons of Korah and also Asaph, these worship leaders, and so, uh, yeah, just a, uh, an example those whom God has gifted musically and an ability to write poetry, to write hymnody that we can all sing, uh, to use that for, for God's glory. So let's, let's read through the psalm and then, and then go through it. As a deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While all day long people say to me, Where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart. How I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God, with joyful and thankful shouts. Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him my Savior and my God. I am deeply depressed. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. 
I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones, while all day long they say to me, Where is your God? Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Well, a very powerful psalm, a very uh, well-known psalm, I'm sure, especially the first line. Uh, it, it, it describes the experience of a man who loves the Lord, but is exiled or distant from Jerusalem because he wants to be in the presence of God. He wants to be at the temple. He wants to be worshiping there. He remembers the time when, times when he used to go up to Jerusalem, but he is depressed. He saw that over and over again. He is cast down. He is in turmoil. Now, this is not clinical depression, nor is it temperamental depression, that he was just a person who was predisposed to feeling down. Uh, That's a real thing. Some people are just genetically sadder than others, more pessimistic. Some are happier, more optimistic. Those are uh, just all the beautiful ways that God has wired us and made us. Uh, This is neither of those things. He is depressed, he is downcast because of his circumstances, because of the experiences that he is going through at that time, because he is not where he wants to be, and he feels that God has forgotten him. I'm sure that none of you here have ever felt like that. Uh, This is the wonderful thing about the Psalms is that they are so relevant to every, every season of life, every experience of the children of God. I was listening to D.A. Carson earlier in the week, and uh, he said when he was pastoring a church, he said that uh, whenever he went to visit old Christians, they, uh, especially if they were ill or something like that, and he asked them, would you, where can I read to you from? They would always say the Psalms. He noticed that as Christians got older, the Psalms became more and more precious. When he spoke to young people, they weren't like Romans and uh, (laughs) theology. (laughs) Uh, Why is that? Well, as one goes through life with the ups and downs and the trials and joys and all the experiences of life, uh, the the Psalms resonate uh, in a deeper way. Uh, All one's Emotions are found within the Psalms. Uh, and, and the time will come, no doubt, when you do experience this type of depression, this type of feeling of being downcast. Uh, and so remember this Psalm. Turn to this Psalm. Uh, perhaps you're there this morning. Perhaps you've come here and you didn't want to come. It was a mission to get out of bed. It was difficult to get in the car or hail a taxi And come here because you're feeling this way. Well, uh, the scripture deals with that. Again, as I've said many times, this is what I love about Christianity is it's realism. It doesn't sugarcoat things. It doesn't uh, whitewash our experiences and our emotions, even the difficult emotions, the horrible emotions. And so the psalmist begins by saying, as a deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. 
When can I come and appear before God? This is one of the most evocative pictures in Scripture. This, it's such a pure picture, isn't it? Uh, this deer, uh, you know, a buck, we would say. Um, we, don't, we don't really get deer here. Uh, but a uh, buck, like an impala or a springbuck or something like that, there is a beauty to them, isn't there? Um, they, they're, they're really lovely to look at. And here, you know, this, this beautiful creature is thirsty, longing for water. It's such a pure thing. It's such a delightful thing. It's, there's nothing sinister about it. It is a, a righteous, a good, a natural longing for this creature. It is thirsty and it's looking for water. Uh, remember that Israel is, is, is generally an arid or dry land. And so uh, longing for just to find a little stream, some sort of sustenance. Uh, when you go to the Kruger at certain times, especially if it's been a really hot summer and the water holes are dried up and it's hard to find the animals, but they, they manage to, to find little, little outcrops of water and that's where they go. That's the, the idea here, this longing uh, of, of the psalmist to, to, to be satisfied by the Lord. He's thirsting for God, the living God, the true God, the God who is real. He wants to be with him. This picture of hungering and thirsting is throughout Scripture because it's such a powerful image. Uh, we all know what it is to be thirsty. Maybe, maybe you've never been, you know, gone days without water, that type of thirst, but we all know what it is to be thirsty. After a hot day or playing sport or maybe a long hike and you forgot your water bottle, uh, we, we know that imagery. And the Lord Jesus picks up on that and he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. To hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be right with God, to, to, to know Him, to, uh, to have a, a relationship with Him. Uh, this, this should characterize us. If you're perfectly content, even if you're not going through depression, if you're not going through a difficult time, there should be a, a holy discontent. That I want to know the Lord more. I want to experience more of who He is, of His love, of His grace. Uh, you can never plumb the depths. In fact, we'll spend all eternity trying to plumb the depths of, of who He is and never, never reach the, the bottom. We should all be longing, hungering and thirsting. Blessed. There's a promise. There's a, uh, there's a promise of, of blessing for those who hunger and thirst after Christ. <coughs> The sad thing is how often we hunger and thirst or long for the false gods, the false comforts, the false satisfactions, thinking they will satisfy, uh, but they're full of mud, it's full of dirt, it's dusty, it's, I bought one of those uh, um, water bottles that is supposed to filter water so it's clean. You know, you can drink from any river. It's, um, I, <laughs> I'm a doomsday prepper. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this would be pretty cool. Like it's got a built-in filter and it kills 99.9% of whatever. It filters all these things and we live on a river. And so one day, I think it was Lisbon and Calvin and I, we thought, let's test this thing. The next day we were all sick. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the 0.01% got through and, and, and got us 
but that's the world. We think, well, it's going to be okay. This is, it, it will satisfy. But uh, like the story of, of Rachel and Leah, in the morning it was Leah. In the morning, you're sick. Okay? Uh, it does not satisfy. It is only the true and living God, the living waters. He is the only one we should be thirsting for. Verse 3, he says, My tears have been my food day and night. Okay. So, uh, this experience of just sorrow, weeping. Okay. Um, again, the scriptures are so real, there's no hiding that men cry. Uh, the Lord Jesus weeps, doesn't he? A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Uh, this is the experience of human beings. To be human means there will be seasons of crying. He weeps. He says it's just day and night. And everyone is mocking him. Okay. He, they know that he is a believer in the God of Israel. Well, if, you, if your God is so great, why are you, why are you, why is your life tough? Why, why are thinking, things going badly for you? Why are you crying? Your God can't be that great. Uh, they're mocking him. Where is your God? If a, if a, maybe you've had people actually say that. You know, if, if, uh, maybe it's in your family. If you're a Christian, how come you were in that accident? Uh, your God isn't really protecting you. you, you you're serving the wrong God. All of these, these questions. Other people may be mocking you for just serving the Lord. Rejecting you. Things aren't always great and valiant. It's not always like Elijah destroying the prophets of Baal. You know, those moments. We all long for that in Christian circles. Like, you know, where you just walk in and everyone knows you're a Christian. And uh, there's like the supernatural aura around you. Uh, this peace that it just comes into a room when you walk into it. And, uh, you know, people nearly falling down on their faces. And, uh, and then you can tell them about the Lord Jesus. But that's not the, the Christian life. It is often full of difficulty and rejection and persecution and suffering. And that's what makes... You see, it's not hard to follow a God who just makes your life easy. Anyone can do that. But to follow a God who will take you through the deep waters, will take you through the fires, will take you through the... The rejection and the suffering and the persecution and the trauma and all of those things, like Job, and still be able to say he is worthy, that's glorious. That's amazing. That means he is so glorious that nothing that we suffer in this life will cause us to say, no, he's not, he's not worth this. The true Christian will never reach that point. We can experience it, we can hate it, we can suffer through it. But we'll still say, he is worthy even for me to go through all of this. I might not understand it all, but he is worthy. Verse 4, I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. And so he says, as he pours out his heart to God, and so let me challenge you on this. When you are depressed, when things are not going right, we are always tempted then to withdraw from the Lord. To not talk to Him. But what does the psalmist say? He pours out his heart to the Lord. That's the time when you, even more so, you need to be talking to Him. Pour out what you're going through. Speak to Him. 
pastor friend of mine who was counseling someone going through some terrible things. And he, he just said to her, speak to God. Pour it all out to him. He has big shoulders. God has big shoulders. He can take it. Others might not be able to, but he can. Pour out your hearts to him. And then he says, I remember this. While I'm pouring out my heart, while he's crying, he remembers uh, not just simple nostalgia, not just, oh, good times that I had. I remember that time when I bungee jumped. I was great. Uh, It's not just nostalgia in that sort of shallow or superficial sense. He remembers the times when he knew the joy of the Lord, when he was able to shout to the Lord with joy and thankfulness. And that's important for us, to, to, to try and discipline our minds to remember the times when we did praise God with great joy. Remember those times when you knew the presence of the Lord in a special way. Um, I think it's Ed Welch, he writes a book on depression, I think it's just called Depression, and he, he, he describes all the experiences, or, the, or he, sorry, he, he quotes the experiences of many people in depression. One of the, the, the constant themes for those in depression is darkness, darkness, that there is no hope, it's, it's like all around you is darkness, uh, and in those moments, the lies will come that God has never been good. You've never known joy. You've never been thankful. It's never been nice. And of course the devil uh, loves that. And he'll come with those lies. And here the psalmist remembers. No, it's not always been like this. I remember those times when I was worshipping the Lord. And I knew joy. And I was able to give thanks for this great salvation. My sins forgiven. And then he comes back, verse 5. Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? So he's talking to himself. And he says this. Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. So uh, he preaches to himself. And that's one of the key things that we have to do in these moments. Why am I like this? What must I do? Put your hope in God. Trust in the Lord. It's not will worship. It's not just positive thinking. Positive thinking is just built on lies. Things you don't know are true. It's just trying to work yourself up. No. This is built on the the character and the promises of God. A God who has promised to never leave nor forsake his children. A God who says, if he's begun a good work in you, he will bring it to completion. No half jobs. No uncompleted projects. Those are the promises to say, Lord, you will not lose me. I will still praise you. I will, you are still my Savior and my God. And he repeats that again in verse 11. And so he seems to find some relief, doesn't he? He says, he preaches to himself. I'm still going to praise God. But then it goes back, verse 6. And again, so there's no quick fix here. I've heard people say, well, the counseling doesn't help because I tried it once and it doesn't work. No, the the Christian life is not a once-off, quick-fix thing. There's no magic bullet. There's no second blessing and then you have no more problems. Or third blessing or fourth blessing, whatever blessing. That is not how it works. It is a life of habit. It is a life of endurance. 
I saw, you know, we saw the comrades. We had some uh, well, Ponzo, brother Ponzo running, and, and other people that I knew running. And you know, that's it's endurance, isn't it? I don't know how many steps, you know, hundreds of thousands of steps, one after the other, repetitive, over and over again, to get to the end. There is no quick fix. There is no magic bullet. And so it is with the Christian life. Just because you said, I tried thinking on the positive things. I tried remembering what God has done, but it didn't work. No, do, keep doing it. Do it again. Do it again. And again. And again. Discipline your mind. Renew your mind over and over again. We are so messed up. It takes a lifetime of renewing our mind just, just to grow a little bit in holiness. So don't stop. Don't stop renewing your mind. Thinking God's thoughts after him. Filling your mind. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Paul tells us. Filling your mind with the thoughts of God. The promises of God. So he comes back. Verse 6. I am deeply depressed. Therefore I remember you. So again, what does he do? I'm going to remember. I'm going to think. I remember you, Lord, from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. This is outside of Jerusalem. Outside of the temple. Northern Israel. There is within him a sense of exile, a sense of disorientation. He is not where he wants to be. He is not where he feels that he should be. Maybe uh, refugees or expatriates can feel something of that. This is not my home. Or those of you students traveling from your your home, uh, a sense, this is not my home. There's something, there's a disconnect here. But all Christians should feel that to some degree or another. This is not our home. We are pilgrims. So don't expect to be perfectly satisfied here on earth. Don't expect that this will be moonshine and roses. Don't expect all of those things. It's going to be, this is not your home. You are made for God. You are made to be in His presence. You are made for the new heaven and new earth. Then you will be completely at home. Then you will be, there will be no disorientation. Verse 7, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. Remember as he started the psalm, he was a deer panting for water. And so he's, he's longing for this life-giving water. But as he meditates on water... Uh, it becomes something more sinister, something darker. The roar of waterfalls, waves crashing in upon him. Over and over again in Scripture, this, this picture is given uh, of, of, the, of water being used for, for chaos, for a lack of order. Remember in the, in the beginning, the primeval creation, which was darkness. And the whole earth was covered in water. The Spirit hadn't yet begun to bring order and beauty out of the earth. And so it speaks of chaos and darkness and confusion. And it's, a, it's an appropriate image, the idea of drowning. And he talks about the waterfalls, this idea that he's, he's caught in this powerful waterfall. Uh, I've had the privilege to, to, to travel to Victoria Falls several times. Uh, and... The, the local people know it as Mosi Oatunya, the smoke that thunders. Okay, that's what it means. 
and uh, also had the privilege of going whitewater rafting and I was at the base of the waterfall and the, the noise and the power of it and it's, it's such an, the reason they call it the smoke that thunders is because the spray, as the water hits the rocks on the bottom, it, it pushes up the spray that you can see from uh, many kilometers away. It looks like a little bit like a smoke from a fire. But it's, it's just because of the power of the water cascading over and crashing in on the rocks, shooting up the spray. Uh, and that's the idea here. It's as though he's, he's at the bottom of, of waterfalls. Uh, and have you experienced, not that, <laughs> I don't think you would live to tell that experience. Uh, but have you experienced that when, when or, or uh, and I remember even with the whitewater rafting, at one, si- one time we capsized. And uh, you don't know which side is up. You don't know what's going on. And you think you want to grab breath and you can't. Or maybe you've been in the, at sea and waves have caught you. That's the idea. Disorientation. You think maybe. And then you get smashed again from the other side. And, and again from the other side. That's what he's experiencing here. Maybe a glimmer of... Maybe there's some air here. No. That's the experience that he's going through. And so this is... If you're going through it, it doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. Uh, we're not talking here about unrepentant sin if you're, and the Lord is chastened. That's a different thing. But the longing to be with the Lord. And there are seasons when uh, the Lord says He will hide His face. And He will test us. And that is part of the Christian experience. And notice in it that He still acknowledges God's sovereignty. He doesn't say uh, all of the random waterfalls... And the chance breakers uh, and stuff that just happens in life. Whose, whose waterfalls are they? Whose breakers are they? Whose billows are they? Yours. God is in absolute control of your situation. Even, even when it feels like you're drowning, the scriptures teach He is in control of that. He's in absolute control of it. And so our Again, the challenge to all of us is even in the midst of that, when we want to say, where is God? God is there. Okay. Uh, he is there. He has not gone away. He did that to his son at Calvary. He forsook him. So that in, in your experiences, you are not forsaken. Verse 8, the Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. Again, the hope that he has, the faith that he has. He looks forward, he says, I know that one day the Lord will send his faithful love. His song will be with me in the night. He looks forward, he knows that one day it will come right. But I also want to say to you, there's not always a happy ending immediately. You see, he's not saying... Okay, now it's over. I prayed. I did the three prayers and that was a tough day, but it's, it's good now. But he trusts God that sometime in the future he will know the love of God. He will know his kindness in a special way. But often in this life there is not an immediate happy ending. Sometimes the diagnosis is terminal. Sometimes the person does die. Sometimes the job or the relationship does end. But for the Christian, we look beyond that. There is an ultimate happy ending. To outstrip all happy endings. Where does that come from in fairy tales? They lived happily ever after. 
I think that's something of a Christian worldview that it, it's that that got inculcated into the culture, so that this idea of an everlasting happy ending came out in the stories, in the myths. For the Christian, that's true. The Bible could have ended, and they lived happily ever after. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that's how it will be for the Christian. It will come. But I just want you to be prepared. It won't always be immediately. It won't always be an immediate happy ending. But there will be. That you, you can stake your life on. The life of your family, the life of your community, the life of any person who will come to Christ. There will be a guaranteed everlasting happy ending. How do we know? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He conquered death. Conquered sin. Verse 9, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow? Because of the enemy's oppression. Yeah, we are pointed so graphically to our Savior. Remember all the Psalms and all of Scripture is ultimately about Christ. It reminds us of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why have you forsaken me? It sounds like Psalm 22. Why have you forgotten me? Uh, we say that at times, but as I've just said, it's not in reality. If you're a child of God, in reality, He's never forsaken you. You may feel that He has, but He hasn't. But for Jesus Christ, He was forsaken. A godly man, a perfect man, a righteous man, an alien. Isn't that right? He was away from His home, His true home, in the presence of God entered into this world a pilgrim, a stranger forsaken by his father oppressed by his enemies notice what the psalmist says because of the enemy's oppression you see the hatred and the vitriol that that so many had for the Lord Jesus Christ how they slandered him how they lied about him how they persecuted him how they sought to humiliate him publicly how they wanted to kill him on several occasions, but they weren't able to. But eventually, they, the Lord allowed them to. They killed him. They lied about him. They humiliated him. All these enemies, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Romans, Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Jews, the Gentiles, Satan, oppressed. So that we would be able to To never be truly alone. Verse 10. My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones. It's very similar to that statement. Eh? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And then we say, well, we know that's not true. Words do hurt. Here he's saying, my adversaries taunt me crushing my, as if crushing my bones. While all day long, again, they say to me, where is your God? Isn't that what they said to the Lord Jesus on the cross? Why, you know, if that's who you really are, why don't you come down? Why doesn't God save you if, 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 you, if you're a righteous person? Mocking Him, humiliating Him. Then we come back to verse 11. In closing, again, why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? And it ends with him once again preaching to himself. Put your hope in God. 
and the faith that he still has, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. So whatever you're going through today, whatever trials, whatever turmoil, whatever difficulties, whatever will come this week, we don't know what the week holds, uh, whatever comes your way that causes you to f- experience these emotions, what you, you and I must do is, is preach to ourselves. Put your hope in God. Hold on to His promises. I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. It will not be like this forever. I may go through these waters for the rest of my days, whatever, however long I live, how, Yes, it, there's no promise that, uh, that it won't. But there is a promise that it will come to an end and that this life is a vapor and nothing in comparison with the life that awaits God's people. Paul says, the sufferings of this time, of this life, are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Okay. The things that are so massive for us now, that seem like Everest in front of us, that we can't even imagine life without those things sometimes. Paul says, you know what, all of that, all the experiences of life, all the suffering, all the trauma, all of those things, you won't, they're not even worthy of comparison to the, to the glory that awaits God's people. So, preach the gospel to yourself. Uh, preach, even if you're rejoicing, preach the gospel to yourself. If you're suffering, preach the gospel to yourself. If you meet other people, preach the gospel to them as well. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Oh, Father, we, uh, we do praise you so much for the Psalms. The songbook of Israel, the songbook of your people, the songbook of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thought that in his humanity, as a little child, he learned these psalms and sang them at home with Mary and Joseph and his brothers. As he grew older and uh, went to temple worship, he sang these very psalms. As he uh, was with the disciples around meals, they sang these psalms. As he Even on the night of his betrayal, we know that uh, from the Passover meal that certain psalms were sung and uh, they would have sung these these psalms and uh, Lord, how can we forsake them? And so we we praise you for their richness. We praise you for their spectrum that they cover every facet of life, every experience and emotion of life. Lord, we ask that uh, for all your children, that we would preach the gospel to ourselves. We would look forward to the hope that awaits us, the joy that awaits us. And as we do that, it would affect the way that we live now. So please, Holy Spirit, do this. And if there's any here, Lord, who don't know you, uh, whose lives are full of emptiness, are full of shadows, and uh, it's ephemeral and without substance and without meaning, that you would grant them grace to repent and believe and come to the true and living God, the rock, the one who is real, the one who is eternal, the creator God, the redeemer God, that they would know their sins forgiven, that they would have not just hope for this life, but hope for eternal life. 
We ask all these things in your precious name. Amen.